2016 podcast. And now, your host, Ellis Tolbert. What's going on, folks? Welcome to 4th and 16's The Game Plan. I'm your host, Ellis Tolbert. Hopefully, you all are having a fantastic new year. You and all your family are in great health and great spirits. Because, folks, we have a fantastic game, a gripping game, a compelling game coming up this Monday night, January 13th at 8 p.m. It is the College Football National Championship game. Of course, I couldn't be more excited about this because the Clemson Tigers will be playing in it yet again. They're going for a back-to-back national championship run. First team to do that since the 11-12 and 12 Alabama team. Uh, for that, uh, it was the Nebraska Cornhuskers. This is something that hasn't happened really a whole lot in 70 years. Clemson could be the most... Uh, you know, winningest team in college football. They will submit their legacy uh, in college football supremacy. Right now, they are the standard for college football, and they're trying to prove it yet again with another championship win. They'll be taking on the 14-0 white-hot and heavily favored LSU Bayou Bengals. And of course, I will still call them Bayou Bengals until they beat Clemson. Uh, they will no longer have the Death Valley or, uh, you know, Tigers moniker until they beat Clemson. Uh, but again, both teams really coming in. It's going to be a very compelling game. Now, folks, this is going to be a little bit different episode. I'm going to talk to you from the heart. Not saying I didn't do that before in other episodes, but, you know, I want to talk to you and be real about how I actually feel about everything. I'm going to do this a little bit differently. You know, you've heard X's and O's from every other radio person out there, every other podcast inundating you with this is what Clemson should do and this is what's not going to happen and this is why, blah, blah, blah. I'll talk about all that separately. I'm going to do that on a Twitter live uh, probably Sunday. I want to let you know that I'm going to do that Sunday probably around 1 uh, as I get prepared for the Titans game as well. But I'm also going to be getting that X's and O's, what I think Clemson should do type thing going on over on Twitter live. That'll be a Periscope thing. I'll tell you when that's going to drop. But for this one, I'm going to talk to you from the heart. I'm going to be raw and real. I'm not going to edit anything. No, if I mess up something and you hear me stumble a word, so what? I don't care. I want to be real with you. I want to talk with you as if we were having a conversation together. I want to talk to you about why this game is important. I want to talk to you about how this game is different. And I want to talk to you about how I go through and make uh, my picks for games. I'm going to talk to you about my factors that I look to, my criteria that I go to, as well as being a person that studies films and X and O's. Uh, you know, I want to talk to you about how that works and how I come to my conclusions. So it's going to be a little bit different. But before I do all that, I want to thank each and every one of you for supporting 4th and 16. It's been a long year. We're coming up on the actual anniversary of the creation of 4th and 16. And what a better way to do it. We're playing the team we actually started the dynasty on, the 4th and 16 play, the LSU Bayou Bengals. Super excited about this, folks. There's a lot of stuff riding on this. But uh, thank you again you know, for listening, for communicating with me on Twitter. I try to respond to everyone as much as possible. Um, I can't thank you guys enough. Thank you for showing the podcast to your friends, your family, your coworkers, anybody. You know, hopefully we can grow this thing. And of course, in 2020, this thing is going to get even better. Nothing but good things coming for fourth and 16. Uh, I've got a lot of cool new ideas. 
so after this game, after this episode, I'm going to do one more, and then I'm going to take a little bit of a break. That way I can usher in some new features, get some times to start uh, rolling some of those new features out, get you guys more involved in 4th and 16 uh, more than ever before. So again, thank you for your, your support. Folks, this game is interesting. It's interesting for a lot of reasons. One, you know, the narrative is that LSU is going to blow out Clemson. I've heard it from a lot of people. I've heard it at gas stations. I've heard it in passing. I've heard it at work. People saying Clemson's going to get blown out by LSU. That's the narrative. I've talked to a lot of people, folks, ton of Clemson fans. When I'm saying 100, that's probably an understatement. That's an underestimate, honestly. I've talked to a lot of people about this game. And strangely, I'm seeing a lot of people be very nervous. It's almost like we've gone into another decade and people are kind of afraid. They're going, ah, we're 29 and no, we got to lose at some point, right? Uh, You just can't win all of them. And that's right. That's true. But a lot of people feel fearful of this game. It's kind of like they... They, they see how powerful LSU is, and they think of flashbacks of Florida State or West Virginia, and they just don't really feel comfortable about this. But a lot of it is narrative-based because you've heard talk, talking heads or you've seen all the highlights on ESPN of LSU. You hear the stat lines, Joe Burrow, eight touchdowns, yada, yada, yada. You know, it makes you a little nervous, but I'm here to try to clear up some of those things because a lot of that is perception-based. Why do I say that? Look at ESPN FPI. It says that Clemson's actually the better team. You look at a lot of the sports books. They say 93% of the bets are going on LSU. Not a lot of people taking Clemson. They just aren't. Yet, when you look at more of the sports betting stuff, they're coming out with something now that said that out of the 50 states, 26 of those states are rooting for Clemson to win. So if all the money and all the betting is going to LSU, then why are all the states, majority of the states, picking Clemson to win? They're rooting for Clemson. How about that? It's all narrative-based. All of this is based to put that way. You know, because of what you see, what you hear, it changes everyone's opinions. But no one is really looking at it for what it is. So I like to go back to my old tried-and-true method of just looking at my factors, looking at film. Knowing football, knowing that things are random and chaotic, that's life. I'm going to talk to you about my factors on how to pick games. I've got a couple of things on a list right here that I use for every single game when I'm making a pick. This is how I've been so accurate with it because I just know football, not toot my own horn here, but I'm pretty accurate with it because I have a fair and honest assessment of the things. So in this episode, we're going to talk about these factors I'm going to talk a little bit about some scheme here and there, but I'm mostly going to be talking about the factors, and I'm also going to do the position comparison. I'll give you guys a a pretty good rounded idea of what my prediction is going to be as well. But let's go ahead and get into these factors. I think this is super important. Some things I like to look at, and I'll say them in order and I'll talk about them. Quality of teams, circumstances of the game, individual player quality, Team balance and depth. Team unity. Team's strengths and weaknesses. Playing style. Adversity rating. And I'll explain what that is in a minute. A consistency, which is the most important in my opinion. But we'll talk about that one too. Circumstances of the game is probably another important one. 
that goes along with venue. That's another thing that I'm looking at. Where are they playing? Schedules. Recent form. How you looked when you last played. And is it true? Can you trust that? Motivation. Injuries and weather. So let's go ahead and talk about those right now. And at the end, I'm going to give you my four key questions for you to really ponder uh, over and think about and come to your conclusion from that. I'm going to give you all the keys and all the factors to look for why you should make your opinion uh, for the game. But let's start with quality of teams. Of course, both teams are quality. Both of them are. You have one team that's 14-0, technically 29-0, defending national champions, Clemson Tigers. The other side, you have a red-hot LSU Bayou Bengals who are also 14-0. They have not lost this season. They have not looked bad particularly this season, at least offensively. Quality of team, I would say both teams are pretty quality. So I look at that, and I don't see really a huge advantage of that. I look at circumstances of the game. Of course, the circumstances of the game are huge for both teams. Clemson's got a 29-game winning streak on the line, national championship that they're defending, and college football supremacy. They're going to cement themselves in legacy. I talked about how they would be the first team to go back-to-back since 11-12 Alabama. And then LSU has a chance to win a national championship again. at won one in a very long time. Uh, and they want to bring one back to Baton Rouge. So, uh, you know, a lot is riding on. They're doing this in their home. Circumstances of the game, pretty even to me. Both teams have something to lose. Both teams have something to gain. Individual player quality. Of course, this is very important because you look at both teams. One, LSU has always been in the top five of recruiting. Maybe even number one. They were number two at trying to push for number one early signing day this year behind behind Clemson. Uh, and they've normally recruited a lot of players at a high level. Clemson hasn't always done that. Of course, we have five stars. We've been doing that. But we've never had that number one class. Heck, we've never had a number two class, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Clemson is really now breaking into that. You look at, I think they were like number 10 recently. You know, Clemson's doing what they do with development, not so much with star players in the beginning. You look at a, you know, guy that was not a five-star guy in Kayvon Wallace, same for Tanner Muse. Isaiah Simmons was a three-star. Travis Etienne was a four-star. Of course, uh, you know, Trevor Lawrence was a five-star. And the only offensive lineman that we have that was a five-star was Jackson Carmen. Uh, Brayden Galloway was not a five-star. J.C. Chalk was not a five-star. Luke Price wasn't even a tight end, so he was definitely not a five-star or a four-star. You look at Lynn J. Dixon, who was not a five-star. We just didn't have a whole lot of five-star players, but they're playing at five-star, six-star level, if that was even possible. You can say the same for LSU, especially this year. Of course, uh, Edwards Hilaire was not a five-star player. Joe Burrow was an afterthought in college football. Uh, For good reason. Last season, he was just an average quarterback. Before that, he was a very average quarterback. You bring in the right scheme, now he's a great quarterback. Jamar Chase, uh, Justin Jefferson, Thaddeus Moss, those guys weren't five stars either, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, You look at the other side of the ball, there's not a a crazy ton of five-star players, but they do have them. Both teams are really good at developing, but I think Clemson has the edge in that one. Quality of the team is pretty good, obviously. You have a really good quarterback on both sides of the ball. Really good running backs, really good receivers. Uh, You've got some really good secondary players on both sides. So, again, I don't really see a huge advantage of that. Team balance and depth. I actually think Clemson has uh, the upper hand in this one. I think Clemson is far more balanced. I think Clemson has much more depth than LSU. 
LSU, we don't know what they have. They don't play very many backups. You have the starters in. They're so infatuated with getting all their stats up. And I'm not just not ragging on them about this. It's just that, you know, Ordron is so infatuated with getting his players to play well and, you know, getting them recognition and whatnot. This is why you had so many guys. You had a Bolitnikoff winner. You had a Dote Campbell, uh, you know, nominee. You had the quarterback win, Maxwell. He won uh, all all of the major awards, including the Heisman. There's a reason why this is going on. You had your offensive coordinator who won. Well, he's a passing game coordinator, and Joe Brady who won the Broyles Award. So they're very infatuated with that, but they do play their starters much longer than Clemson's. Clemson has played 100 people in a game before, 100-plus. So I think Clemson is much more – they have much better depth. I also think that Clemson has better balance, especially when it comes offensively. People don't want to believe me when I say that Clemson's offense is just as elite as LSU's. Of course, it doesn't look as flashy, but Clemson does it in a different way. Clemson runs the ball. I'm convinced would rather run the ball twice out of four plays, uh, but LSU would rather run the ball if they have to. They throw the ball to set up the run, whereas Clemson runs the ball to set up the pass. Apples to oranges, but both teams get it done. Uh, if you look at Trevor Lawrence, uh, he has no, he had, I think, about 100 less, 108 less passing attempts than Joe Burrow. I mean, that's a lot. People don't know that. That's a, that's a whole lot. And you consider when Trevor also not playing in second halves most of the time, you know, again, it, Miles Brennan has nowhere near the amount of passing attempts that Chase Bryce does. Uh, you know, Clyde Edwards Hilaire has nowhere near the amount of touches that, um, you know, Travis Etienne has, but Travis Etienne also doesn't play very often. And they rent, they, Clemson wants to run the ball. They do. So, again, team balance I would and depth goes to Clemson in this one. Team unity. This one's kind of hard to see because, you know, of course, LSU's team is playing with a lot of unity right now. They've got guys who are super happy to play with each other. These guys have, you know – worked hard from game one over the off season stuff, spring stuff, fall camp, summer camp. These guys have worked together. They've grinded out a 14 and 0 season. Of course they're playing uh, with unity, but we haven't seen them be in situations where they could be disunited. Have they played any adversity at all? That's going to go into the next one adversity rating we talk about, but Clemson has, I've seen them play and come together. There was no point that Clemson felt like they were going to lose against Ohio State, even down 16 nothing. You can look at some of the interviews. All the guys say, you know, yeah, we were down, but it, we never at one point we thought we were going to lose. That's unity. Small things. People think it's corny when, you know, you had the Power Rangers guys, Christian Wilkins. Every single time someone scored, he was the first one on the field, so much so that I kind of got nervous that we were going to get a penalty because he's on the field celebrating before we even get the place kicker out there to kick the extra point. But everybody loves each other. You see Chase Bryce throw a touchdown pass. Uh, you know Trevor Lawrence is out there raving, you know, waving his hands, super excited about it. We have that team unity. You see the offensive players going and pepping up uh, the defensive players. Uh, you know they're giving high fives, saying "Go win it for us, go do this." There's team unity there. So uh, I think both teams have it, but I think Clemson has shown that they've done it more often for longer. Strengths and weaknesses. Okay, both teams have weaknesses. Every single team in football from Pee Wee all the way up to the NFL has a weaknesses. Every single one. Every all of them do. I think both teams have certain things. Of course, again, LSU is unbalanced. They do not have, you know, if they have to run the ball, 
you know, I don't know how well they can do it. I've seen them do it against Florida. That was depleted defensively, but uh, didn't work against Auburn. They only had three guys rushing. So, again, of course, Auburn has a much better defensive line than a lot of teams out there, including Clemson. Uh, they're just better up front. But, you know, and then also, you know, special teams is not particularly strong uh, for LSU, neither for Clemson either. But uh, Clemson does have some deficiencies certain places. Certain safeties can be a little stiff at times, but they also can be game-planned into where they are actually the game-breaker. We saw, we saw this with Nolan Turner. We see this with, uh, uh, you get look at a guy like Tanner Muse. People always want to rag Tanner Muse, but there's been times where Tanner Muse has been targeted He's been game planned in the game to bait a team, and he's that's the reason why he leads the team in interceptions. I mean, because he's in the right place sometimes. Now, of course, this game you can't do that. We all know that you can't be baited in this game at all. But again, both teams have weaknesses. Uh, but you know, it is what it is. You look at adversity rating. I mentioned that. How does a team look where they're they're facing adversity, extreme adversity? Well, let's walk down the season so far. Clemson, you know, has faced diversity. Has LSU. I'm not exactly sure they have. There's been no point in time where I felt like LSU was going to lose a game this season. All the film I've watched on them, I've not seen them look like they were going to lose at any point. Even against Texas. Texas was a back and forth thing. That was crazy. But there's also game one. You can, you know, talk about rust and trying to figure out getting your your offense, your new offense in gear everybody accustomed to it you get a pass on that one but at no point and even when they did kind of look a little human not so otherworldly the national narrative in the media was not that they still said that they were brilliant they were unstoppable you know even when they were shut down and stopped and held to 23 points uh against auburn everybody still raved about how they were pretty much unstoppable so again uh you know it, I've never seen them have adversity. Clemson, on the other hand, has has that twice, twice this season. Actually, more than that. Sometimes in-game things make sure. It's kind of fi- hard to find adversity in games when you're winning them by 28 points and 35 points. But go back to game one against Georgia Tech. Trevor Lawrence throwing interceptions. That was almost a pick six. Trevor Lawrence walked him down. And we're talking about a cornerback who runs about a 4-4. Trevor Lawrence walked him down to save it. Defense comes back, gets a turnover, gives it back to the offense. That's the kind of stuff I like to see. And then the biggest, the most important one, in my opinion, more than the adversity from Ohio State, was the North Carolina one. The reason why that Clemson is not uh, number one team in the country right now going to this game is because of the North Carolina game. North Carolina came in with a whole new coaching staff, got a, lot, a lot of unknown things, a true freshman quarterback that turned out to be pretty dang good, Sam Howell. You know, Clemson wins this game on a failed two-point conversion from North Carolina. They come away with a one-point win. Everybody's breathing hard, but everybody else in the media says, oh, that's not good. And for the most part, Clemson didn't play their best game. They played probably a B game in that one. You go back to the most important one where they're playing a probably C-plus game against Ohio State, and they're still able to come out with a win. I talked about how those players felt like that they have no no time believing that they were going to lose that game. You're down 16 nothing. You're playing one of the most physical, talented teams that I think we've played ever. <laughs> I mean, Ohio State was literally that good. Um, and they found a way to do it. They found a way to shut down a team that was uh, pretty much unstoppable when it comes to the red zone. 
you know, hold them to, you know, Ohio State had 49.1, I'm pretty sure, 49.1 points per game. You held them to 23. That's the kind of stuff I'm talking about. So, again, adversity. Clemson has, has seen that. I don't know about LSU. I don't know what happens if LSU gets down by 14. What do they do? What do they do if they're in a hole by 16? Let's talk about the the venue. Now, that's when heavily favors LSU. Of course, they're playing in New Orleans, which is only about, I think, 80 miles or so, give or take, from Baton Rouge. That's uh, a home game for them. It is a home game. It just kind of worked out that way. Um, you know, People have been talking like, oh, it's going to be 70-30. It's probably going to be more like 90-10. <laughs> but Clemson fans do come out in droves. They are going to be there supporting the Tigers. I'm not worried about that. But the Tigers are considering this game an away game. They're practicing and preparing like it's going to be uh, just a regular season away game. So it's not going to be in their favor. It's not. But sometimes that doesn't matter. We've seen Clemson do things. I mean, they're impeccable winning over the last few years. This last decade. So I don't think it matters if it's an away game. I think that it is what it is. Now, if it was a considerably less talented team than LSU, then yeah, I'd say it would be an issue. But I don't think they would be playing in the national championship if they were considerably less, especially considering they just played a team that was that good against Ohio State. Let's talk about their schedules. Again, both teams, 14-0. Not much to compare there, but a lot of people want to talk about Clemson not playing anyone. And LSU, you know, has all these impressive wins over teams, yada, yada, yada. But, you know, I, don't, I think Clemson put that to rest after beating Ohio State. Of course, people still want to complain and say, yeah, the refs helped them out, yada, yada, yada. But uh, Clemson proved that it didn't matter who they play, they were going to win the game, which is why I'm not so concerned about this game against LSU. I don't, I'm not buying into all the media narrative. What I see on my, with my eyes on film shows me that Clemson has a chance. Um, but LSU has done some pretty impressive things. They have. They've beaten everyone they played first and foremost. They went to Alabama. It's hard to win in Tuscaloosa. They've done that. You know, they beat Auburn. They beat Texas A&M like a drum. They beat Georgia like a drum, like a ragdoll. You know, (laughs) Oklahoma, they don't even, they pretty much put them on a suicide watch list. You know, it's one of those things where it's, you know, they didn't have any they didn't have any stress either if clemson didn't play anyone then neither did lsu and that was that was the same thing we were hollering last year about alabama they were blowing everybody out so if we didn't play anybody you didn't either it didn't matter if they're in the sec you didn't play anybody either nobody gave you a run for their money except auburn and florida i will say florida but again schedules comparable 14 and 0 both teams Recent form. This is the one that I think is one of the most important ones because people look at this one too much and put too much emphasis on this one. So the reason why I say this is because, again, we talked about Oklahoma. LSU destroyed them. Okay. While, on the other hand, you're looking at the Clemson game going, oh, they're down 16 nothing. Maybe this verifies that they're not that good. Of course, there were some controversial things happening with some calls from the refs here and there, blah, blah, blah. Uh, but, you know, that just fed into the narrative that Clemson actually isn't that good. So you're watching Clemson be down in the hole and go, yeah, we can, they're not that good. We're watching LSU put up 63 points and going, yeah, they're the best team in college football. We've never seen anything like this. And no, we haven't. Their offense has legitimately done some things that we have never seen. But is it not true that Oklahoma 
what everybody was in an agreement with this, that Oklahoma, you know, was not a part of the rest of the teams. They were not really in the same league with Clemson, Ohio State, or LSU. In fact, LSU players before the game were saying, hey, we know that they're not even that good. They're not a top four team. They're not even a top 15 team. Players were openly talking junk about Oklahoma players. They just think they thought they were slow. They didn't think their defense was anything. They thought their offense was nowhere near as good. You don't hear that as much against Clemson. I don't think I've heard any disrespect, actually. Um, you know, everybody, I'm firmly believing that Oklahoma would have gotten blown out by Ohio State and Clemson as well. That's why everybody was kind of scrambling for that number one position, in my opinion. Everybody wanted to play Oklahoma. <laughs> they, they just kind of put Oklahoma in because they didn't have anybody else to put in. Utah, you know, crapped the bed and so did Oregon. But I think Oregon would have probably had a better shot at not getting blown out than Utah or um, Oklahoma. And for all you Utah fans out there talking about Utah's this and that, I've heard all season about being Utah. First and foremost, I told you Oregon was going to win the Pac-12. And then also, Utah's not that good. They're good, but not that good. You know, everybody was like, oh, well, Oregon was just trending. That's why they blew them out. Well, they also got blew out in the bowl game. So, again, it's, it's just not something that I'm concerned with. But, uh, you know, I'm not concerned with that. Recent form will have you thinking something odd because they'll think Clemson's not good because of how they played. Well, they just played, in my opinion, the probably first or second best team in the nation. <laughs> it's really debatable whether, you know, Clemson or Ohio State was the best team in the country or LSU. It's, it's up for grabs because, you know, Ohio State's really that good. So, again, Recent form can have you mislead it. Do not fall prey to what you've seen. What you've seen. Of course, they're going to show all the highlights of Joe Burrow's touchdowns in those games. They're not going to show you the things that didn't go right. They're not going to show you the things that Oklahoma did do good. Uh, you know, so don't buy into that. Motivation again. Both teams are motivated to do something. It's just like the circumstances of the game. You know, Clemson has a winning streak on the line. They have. Uh, the national championship trophy to hand over if they lose this game. Uh, you know, you've been told by everybody that there is zero chance you're going to stop uh, this LSU offense. I've heard a lot of people say you're going to get crushed. You're the ultimate underdog in this game. Even though you are in a 29-game winning streak, you're a six-point underdog right now, and 93% of the bets are going towards LSU. If you're LSU, you're motivated because you haven't won something in a long time. <laughs> you haven't looked good in a long time, and you're not sure that you're going to continue being this good. Joe Brady's getting interested, uh, interest from Matt Rule up with the Panthers now, a new head coach, to be his offensive coordinator. What happens when he goes? What happens when Steve Insminger retires? It's one of those things you worry about. Miles Brennan is nowhere near as good a quarterback as Joe Burrow. He's not. It's just the way it is, but... You know, so they've got a lot riding. This is this is the time now. Plus, all those new head coaches coming into the SEC. You got Mike Leach now at Mississippi State. They got Lane Kiffin at Ole Miss. Jimbo Fisher, Texas A&M, who still is an underachiever, but whatever. You have all these other coaches coming in. It's going to get more comp competitive, and you know, this is your window to win it right now. So, motivation is huge for both teams. Injuries. You know, both teams have had some guys get banged up. Of course, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire had a hamstring before the game against Oklahoma. He came in, he ran pretty hard, but he didn't really do much. And then he also was sat for the rest of the game after he got exploded uh, on a dirty hit by Buki Ratley-Hiles, a guy that I'm really happy that Clemson didn't sign. 
uh, you know, it's he's fine. Of course, they had some other guys getting to get banged up, and they are also returning Michael Divinity. I don't know if it was an injury or mental or whatever, but he's going to be playing back again uh, for the defensive side of the ball for LSU. And then Clemson, you know, of course, you had uh, T. Higgins get that hit. It looked a little scary, sat out for a little while. We came back, ultimately was fine. Justin Ross seemed to be hurt every single play, but he kept getting up and coming in. Uh, I think he should be healed, ready to go by now. And then Trevor had that little bit of a stinger that he obviously shook off and won the game. You had Chad Smith and Jamie Skalski bump up each other <laughs> like two bowling balls going at 100 miles an hour. Uh, they get knocked each other out, but they were fine too, and everybody should be healthy. So injury front, I don't see anybody having an advantage on that. And I don't like to think of injuries being an advantage. That's kind of weird to think, but – uh, I do think that it does impact game. I don't think Edwards Hilaire is going to be 100%. It's kind of hard to heal 100% from a hamstring injury, especially we don't know the severity of it, but he did run pretty hard against Oklahoma. Then again, Oklahoma does have a preschool defense. Weather is a non-factor. We're not going to worry about weather because it's in a dome. Of course, the dome is really bad. Uh, I do not like Mercedes-Benz Superdome. Not very good stadium. Seating is awful. Also, the field is kind of turfy, so I imagine these guys are going to wear some pseudo-cleats type things. Uh, they'll run faster, but there's also a chance to you know get injured with that kind of turf. We see that a lot with the uh, Mercedes-Benz Dome in Atlanta, not the Superdome. Uh, it's kind of weird because there's two Mercedes-Benz stadiums in the NFL. One's Atlanta and one's New Orleans. But uh, hopefully everyone stays healthy for this. But again, weather will be, play no factor in this one. The last two that I saved for this one is coaching staff and consistency. So I'll start with coaching staff. Coaching staff for both sides. I think Clemson has the advantage, but I do think that LSU has really brought on something that's interesting. Of course, Dave Aranda, defensive coordinator, is the second highest paid uh, assistant coach in the country next to Brent Venables. Both are defensive coordinators. Both are very bright at what they do. Both are really good at what they do. Both have their weaknesses at certain things. Of course, Dave Aranda is terrible with big plays, and Brent Venables is vulnerable with uh, tempo. We saw that. But uh, both guys are really good at what they do. You also have Joe Brady, who is innovative, bringing in that NFL offense, uh, pretty much passing game you know, scheme that really helped out and changing Burrow and changing the mindset of LSU. And you have Steve Insminger, who does not get nearly enough credit for actually being the one calling the place. So again, they're doing really good. And Ed Orgeron, in my opinion, is just a different version of Dabo. He's one of those guys that's kind of like a, if he wants, wants to say cheerleader for Dabo, well, he's the same guy. He's a rah-rah guy. He's going to have a heart attack out there on the field. He drinks 15 Red Bulls a day and drinks uh, crab, you know, crab legs and uh, what do they call crawfish. He loves those. He'll eat those during games and he's just go Tigers and all this stuff nobody understands what he says he's just that kind of guy he's infectious you gotta love him he's a really great recruiter and he's really showing teams that uh they missed out on making him the head coach but he's a louisiana guy through and through he's cajun uh, he speaks the language he's good with all the people there and this is the right place for him just like i believe that Dabo is in the right place he's of course an alabama kid he grew up in alabama played there spent a lot of time there but by happenstance ended up in clemson and now he's the head coach now he's one of the best head coaches in college football history uh, so I think both guys are very important. I think both coaches' staffs are really good. I think Tony Elliott uh, doesn't get a lot of appreciation. I know a lot of times fans get annoyed at his play calling, but a lot of it is uh, on purpose. 
And a lot of it is he's human. He gets in situations just like anybody else. If he's nervous or he doesn't have a really good plan, he has to go to other people to figure it out. That's why Jeff Scott was very important. Uh, Brandon Street is going to be very important now that he's got an elevated role as also being the uh, passing game coordinator, a lot like Joe Brady. That's going to help out, and we're going to see that uh, in this game. It's going to be very interesting to see. But, uh, you know, coaching staffs to me, you know, are good. I do think Clemson has the advantage with coaching staff because they have more experience. They've been there longer. They've done it. They've won national championships. They've, you know, done all the things. Now, of course, Joe Brady's been a part of winning program uh, at LSU. He's also been a part of a winning organization at the New Orleans Saints. We know what they have. Joe, uh, you know, Drew Brees is their quarterback. <laughs> you go from Drew Brees to Joe Brady and uh, Joe Burrow, and you make Joe Burrow look like Drew Brees. So, it makes sense. And then Steve Insminger's been successful. He's an LSU guy. He played quarterback there. He's a uh, tight ends coach before he got the offensive coordinator position. Uh, but again, I think the experience goes to uh, Clemson for sure uh, when it comes to coaching. Uh, but lastly, it's the consistency. And this is the one I really go to. Uh, I, you know, you when again, recent form, that's something people look at. They go, you know, how did this team look before? Okay, we know Clemson has had those cardiac Tiger games. We've seen them all. We had that game against Syracuse last season that we all went, oh, man, this this definitely could be a loss, but it wasn't. We saw it against uh, you know, North Carolina this season. It was like, oh, man, <laughs> this doesn't look good. We've also seen it. We, we've actually lost against uh, Syracuse. We've actually lost against Pittsburgh. There's been losses there, but Clemson has been a consistent winner. Uh, for a very long time. In fact, 29 games straight. <laughs> 29 games straight. So, you know, and again, two national championships out of the last four, working on three, uh, and we'll see what happens with that. Uh, Clemson's been, you know, a, at the top of college football for a long time now, five years straight at least. But for the whole decade, they've been doing things. And it's been a, a building process. Again, I talked about how important it was that you know, after that loss uh, in 2010 uh, to USF to make them six and seven in the bowl game, you know, to USF, ironically, the team that Jeff Scott goes to to be the new head coach, Debo says, this is going to be the best decade of college football. Just trust me. And a lot of people were not sold on it. Debo was still a new head coach. Hadn't won. The, he went to the ACC championship, but hadn't won it yet. And it was still just kind of new. But the next season, he made all the changes that need to be there. You, you get a new offensive coordinator because your offense is boring. And, you know, things are good, but it's still not quite there because your defense is not caught up yet. And then, you know, the debacle against Wake, West Virginia, and then you have to go in and get Brent Venables. Things turn around. Things happen with Florida State. That blowout win uh, that Florida State put on us in Death Valley just kind of changed everything. After that, Debo was like, you know, we're going to completely change course. And since then, it, I mean, it's been game on for Clemson. Uh, I don't think anybody can deny how successful Clemson has been this decade. They have owned the decade. If they win this national championship, they will have been the best team in the decade. And I think they will be anyway, even if they don't win this game. Uh, so, yeah, I, you know, I just think that consistency is important. Now, LSU has also been pretty consistent, but never at this level in a, in a while. You know, they were the last in the time they were in a national championship was 2011. Uh, this is when they lost to Alabama. It was the rematch. It was the first rematch. <laughs> they lost 21-0 in that game. But they were a very talented team. 
Of course, before that, they hadn't won a national championship since 2007. It's been a while that LSU, they've got national championship, but they have not been a consistent high-level winning team in a long time. A lot of teams go win 11 games. Clemson has won 11 games twice in that 11, 12, 13 uh, range, 10 games consistently uh, throughout, but they never won a national championship. They didn't even sniff the national championship. And that's kind of how, how it's been against LSU. LSU is, you know, they they were a pretty good football team last season outside of Alabama. When they got to Alabama, they met a buzzsaw. They got beat 29 nothing. Uh, in that game at home. Ironically, it's a lot of the same players that are playing now, just a different mindset, different scheme. So again, uh, you know, very consistent team this season, but I haven't seen it at a high level for a very long time. Uh, and I think Clemson has the advantage of that. Again, 29 nothing, Folks, when we come back in the second segment, we'll be talking about some position comparisons. Uh, and I'll give you my, you know, my thoughts and final prediction for the game. Listen to 4th and 16's The Game Plan. Back in a moment. Welcome back to the 4th and 16 Podcast. All right, folks, we're back. Second segment of 4th and 16's The Game Plan is underway. We're going to do the position comparison now. As always, we start with the guys. Side of the hashes, we start with the wide receivers. Uh, I think this one's going to be even. I'm going to call this even. Um, the crazy thing about this is that, you know, Clemson's receivers don't have the stat lines that LSU's does. They don't. I mean, you know, again, you know, Jamar Chase is like a 1,500-yard receiver. He won the Blitnikoff. Justin Jefferson's like a 1,300-yard receiver. Uh, Terrace Marshall's like 900 yards. Uh, Thaddeus Moss is like seven or 800. Uh, Edwards Hilaire is like 300 or 400. They've got tons of guys that have caught passes there. So their wide receiver core is really good. And uh, in, in, there's no denying that. Those guys are super talented, as they always have been at LSU, kind of like Alabama. They didn't know how good their receivers were until they found a good quarterback, a good scheme. You know, I talk about this all the time. The SEC is not known for having great quarterbacks. If you don't believe me, look at the NFL. Not a single one of them are super successful. Uh, a lot of them have won national championships and been a part of dominant teams. But most of the time, these guys are coaches or NFL analysts or college football analysts. <laughs> they, they don't really have a great season. You look at the playoffs right now. Russell Wilson, former ACC quarterback. Uh, you have Deshaun Watson, ACC quarterback. You have Lamar Jackson, ACC quarterback. They're all over the place. So, again, you know, they just didn't know they had these kind of receivers until they brought in Joe Brady and Steve Insminger to, to you know, really change this thing. You got to think about it. I talk about this all the time. Uh, OBJ and Jarvis Landry were on the team that lost to Clemson in the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl in 2012. <laughs> they were on that team. Uh, but, you know, they didn't throw the ball. They just liked running the ball every single play, and you didn't know anything about it. Now, granted, OBJ was a freshman in that game, but still, the, you, we know what player he ended up being. Uh, you know, they're just kind of overshadowed. I've I've seen this happen at uh, Mississippi State, Fred Ross, guys like that with Dak Prescott. They just weren't trying to throw the ball like that. Now they have Mike Leach, so that's going to be interesting. Uh, you know, you look at uh, quarter receivers from Alabama, like, you know, they've had all these crazy receivers, Julio Jones and Calvin, jo uh, Calvin Ridley and all these things like that. But the crazy thing is like, and Mari Cooper too, let's not forget about Amari Cooper, but 
They never had the quarterback that was really explosive enough to make these guys have stats like Jamar Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson or Jerry Judy and Devontae Smith and Henry Ruggs. They They didn't have all that. Uh, this is why people were so enamored with Clemson uh, playing against Alabama last season because they had Tua throwing the ball to Jerry, Judy, and Ruggs and all those guys like that. So, you know, again, very good. But I've seen Clemson receivers do this for a very long time. <laughs> Look at the lineage of Clemson football. There's a reason why Clemson football is called right receiver U. You got Nuke Hopkins. You got Mike Williams. You got Sammy Watkins. I mean, even some of the, uh, look, Hunter Renfro, <laughs> people don't think about that. Hunter Renfro also lit up the NFL this season. I don't think anybody really expected that. They were banking on Antonio Brown. You don't have Antonio Brown. Well, let's just throw the ball to Hunter Renfro. <laughs> Clemson has a ton of guys in the NFL, and, and we've seen what these guys, T. Higgins, can do. Justin Ross, who's just two years in, we know what he can do. You know, we've seen all these receivers come through Clemson. Deion Kane when he was on his at his best. Artavis, Amari, like it's it's hard to deny those guys' talent. But again, if we're talking about a this season basis, I'm going to have to go even because those guys are that good over at LSU. Moving on to running back, I'm going to have to say slight to Clemson. I like Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. I think he's a very good running back. I think Chris Curry and Tyrion Davis-Price, those guys are pretty good too. John Emery is one of those young guys. He's a freshman as well. That I think in the future is going to be a super good running back for LSU. But I'm putting my money on Travis Etienne every single time. He can beat you in different ways, and more than more often than not, he is going to be the key to the game. And I think he's the key to this game. Um, Lynn J. Dixon, really good backup. Darian Rencher is a guy who runs hard. He's not very known. Again, he's not some four or five-star guy. He's a walk-on who had you know surgically repaired knees. But the kid runs hard. He's super you know motivated. Uh, he earns his reps. I like Clemson's running back group just a little bit more. Although, I, again, it was Hilaire versatile. It reminds me of a little, I can't remember the guy's name. What is that guy's name? Um, he's like a Darren Sproles type, but a little bit stronger and bigger. Uh, he's not super fast, but he can take over games uh, in the passing game. They use him a lot out there. They they go five wide and have him out playing, and you you have to account for him because he will run her out and catch a pass. So, again, very, very good. And Chris Curry is more of that bruiser back. But, again, I like Travis Etienne and Lin J. Dixon a little bit better going slight to Clemson for running backs. For offensive line, I'm going even. Now, this is kind of different because the LSU offensive line actually won the Joe Moore Award, and that's the award for the best offensive line in college football, which is crazy to think. Uh, But I'm going to say it's even because I think Clemson's experience, you've got, again, all seniors except one guy, Jackson Carmen, who's a sophomore. A lot of experience, a lot of winning football for these guys. You got to look at a guy like, you know, Sean Pollard playing in his, what well, this will be his fourth national championship. <laughs> He's played in all of them. He started at right tackle for his, yeah. So he's played in, he's played in four national championships. This will be his fourth. This is crazy. So again, all these guys have played a lot of winning football for Clemson and big time football. So, you know, I'm going even with this one. I know Clemson, uh, again, you know, they they show me week in and week out that they are better than people expect. You know, Chase Chase Young was pretty much held in check. I was very impressed at how they handled that. Of course, other guys made plays, but no no one really 
uh, wrecked havoc on Clemson's offensive line. A lot of that was either because it was a missed block here or by the running back or Trevor Lawrence holding on to a little, a little long or whatever. But again, this offensive line is really good. I'm going even with offensive line. For tight ends, I'm actually going outright uh, LSU. They just use Thaddeus Moss way more than we can ever imagine using our tight ends, which I think it needs to change in this game. That's an, that's a weakness for LSU's defense, tight ends. Uh, you know, Florida was able to capitalize on that with their tight end. Uh, he destroyed them. Uh, so we want to do that. But again, you know, Thaddeus Moss, son of Randy Moss, Hall of Famer receiver, uh, you know, that kid is just ridiculously good. He's got good size, too. He's about 6'3", 250, runs well. He's also a very good blocker. They use him more often than not. Actually, like I said, they go in five wide. It's actually 11 personnel, but they make it five wide because they put the tight end out there and the running back. So it's an empty set, but it's technically 11 personnel. Uh, and they use him just like the running back. It was hilarious. They'll put him on any route out there. He'll run a go. He'll run a slant. He'll run the dig. He'll run anything that you want him to. Spots. So we got to watch out for this kid. He'll definitely be there in the middle uh, if Clemson gets too aggressive. I like Brayden Galloway. Brayden Galloway coming back actually sprung two important blocks in this game against Ohio State to uh, for one, both of them for pretty much for touchdowns. <laughs> he blocked. He had that incredible block uh, and again on the sixty-seven yard run for Trevor. Uh, for the touchdown, and he had another one at the end of the game with the uh, game-winning touchdown of uh, Travis Etienne. So the kid's doing really well. I want to see him get the ball more because he is what Thaddeus Moss is now. He could be that, and I think we need to do that in this game. I like J.C. Chalk, uh, and I really like Luke Price, but those guys, honestly, if we're being honest, are glorified uh, offensive linemen. Uh, you heard Tremaine Ankrum say it. And, you know, these guys are selfless, though. They they don't come into this. Of course, they could go play other places and play uh, the position where they can go out and catch passes all day. But uh, Clemson, they're, you know, used to anchor that offensive line. I know that they're going to try to game plan them in this game, though, to be able to get more passes. But as of now, I'm going with uh, LSU at the tight end outright. For the defensive line, I'm actually going even as well. Although I think that... LSU has better strength of pass rush uh, with their guys because they're so big. Outside of Chason, who is more like an actual outside linebacker, he's not built like any of the other guys. If you look at the other guys, Glenn Logan, who's technically a defensive end in this 3-3-5 look, he's 309 pounds. Tyler Shelvin, he's the tackle on this one, 6'3", 346 pounds. His backup, Sakaika. 354 pounds. Richard Lawrence, 308 pounds. These guys are huge. They are earth movers, like a bunch of Dexter Lawrences. Of course, not as talented as Dexter Lawrence, and I can say that outright. I've watched enough film to be able to confidently say they're not as good as Dexter Lawrence, so we don't have to worry about that, but these guys are really good. Clemson's defensive line is not that good at getting pressure this season, although they are good at holding their own. They do make plays. Uh, we're going to need them to step up in this game, but I do like the depth of Clemson more than uh, LSU's defensive line. I think they're really, really deep on this Clemson defensive line. You can rotate up to five different uh, ends, uh, four different tackles that play at a high level, uh, in my opinion. Uh, so I really like that. Whereas that, you know, outside of Ika, honestly, maybe Fahoko uh, over at LSU, they don't really have a whole lot of guys that they can use. Uh, in that position 
Oh, if they're playing games and they, and they don't rotate their guys. I talked about that earlier. They don't really rotate guys as much as Clemson does actually nowhere near it offensively or defensively. So uh, I'm going to have to go even with defensive line linebackers slight Clemson. Um, I'm always going to give Clemson the advantage because of Isaiah Simmons. Isaiah Simmons is the best player on the defensive side of the ball for both teams. I don't care what debate you have. He is the most positionless player in college football. He can play anywhere. You can put him at Mike. You can put him at safety. You can make him an edge rusher. If you wanted to, you can try him out experimentally at cornerback. He can do this. He's 6'4", 230 pounds, and runs arguably a 4'340", and you know he is a freight train. You know, he leads the team in tackles, tackles for loss, sacks, he has interception, has the most pass breakups on the team, I think five. He's the only player in the country with a stat line like that. So, again, he's the best player. Uh, but I do think the other guys are comparable or less than or equal to our guys. So you're talking about Skalski compared to Patrick Queen. I'd say that's pretty comparable. Uh, Skalski might be a little less – uh, agile than Patrick Queen, but Patrick Queen doesn't really have the run game scheme like mindset that Skalski has. Skalski can blow up any play at any time, uh, whereas Queen's more of a coverage type guy. He's also somebody that Clemson can take advantage of in this game, in my opinion. You look at Demon Clark. You know he's a good he's a good outside linebacker. He plays more like that inside, and not, you actually can say the same. For Kayla Chason. He's listed as an outside linebacker, but he's actually more of a book end, which is just basically a stand-up defensive end in a 3-4 set or a 3-3 set. They just use him as an extra pass rusher, as a stand-up rusher, and everybody else's hands in the ground. Uh, but they, that's what they do. That's how they get some of their pass rush. Chason is also athletic enough to get out in coverage, but he can be exploited, especially if he's trying to go up against Trevor Lawrence uh, on the outside coming out running the ball or Travis Etienne in the flats catching the ball. There's no way he can cover him. Jacob Phillips, good good Mike Backer, um, Chad Smith type guy, but uh, you know, obviously Chad Smith is much better than people think. He won uh, MVP of the game defensively for Clemson against Ohio State. So again, this kid's playing very good football, but uh, I think Jacob Phillips is comp- comparable. I, I, do, I, th- I think that the guy that is going to be the X factor for LSU is going to be Michael Divinity. He was their best pass rusher, best run stuffer uh, before he left for personal reasons. I'm not going to speculate on what that was because I don't like to do that. Uh, but of course, he was not available, and now he's going to play in this game. I don't know how much because he started out as the starter this season. Uh, he took that time off. Now he's listed, I think he's listed as a third-string guy. I would be hard-pressed to believe that he doesn't come out uh, in the first series or two and plays considerable snaps. But uh, since he hadn't played there, I'm wondering what's going to go on. He's probably the closest to Isaiah Simmons just because he's the jack-of-all-trades type guy, but he cannot cover. That is one thing he cannot do, and I'm not worried about that whatsoever. He can definitely be exploited, him and Queen, uh, in this game. Uh, but again, I like Clemson's linebackers. Plus, I'm just super, super, super impressed with Balen Spector. He is a missile. I think he's going to play an important part in pass rushing, getting pressure. He's been doing that so well all season. Had a sack in this game against Ohio State. Uh, I think he's going to play a huge part in this game uh, just with that second wave of linebackers for Clemson. When we go to secondary, I'm going to go mm, slight to Clemson. And only because of 
the fact that they have the experience. Grant Delplit is the best safety in college football, although his stats don't really back it up this season. Uh, a lot of that dealt with injuries and being hobbled and whatnot. But Grant Delplit is one of those guys that you just – he's that, uh, you know, <laughs> best player I can think of when I compare him to anybody. Um, I don't know. When he's playing his A game, he is up there with some of the greats in college football. And then you look at the rest of the guys. You look at Christian Fulton, who's going to be a first-round guy in the NFL at cornerback, very good player, senior. And then you have the impressive true freshman. Uh, and when you're talking about a guy like Derek Stingley, Derek Stingley is going to be the one that's probably going to end up having the most talent out of all of them when it's all said and done. I think he's very good. Do not like Jacoby Stevens, though. I do not like Kerry Vincent. Do not like Mo Hampton. Uh, I don't think those guys are as good as the starting lineups. I just don't think they can get it done. The rest of the guys are pretty big, though. Again, Jacoby Stevens is a bigger safety. He's kind of like a uh, Tanner Muse, but he's not as fast as Tanner Muse. He's 6'2", 228. Tanner Muse is about 6'3", 230. Tanner Muse also runs about a 4'440". We see that speed in action when he ran down J.K. Dobbins. Uh, so, again, uh, I, I really don't like uh, those guys as much. For Clemson, though, you know, I'm impressed with Darian Kendrick. What he did this entire season, coming over from the offensive side of the ball, everybody asking me earlier in the season, I know I did a couple interviews with people saying, is this just fluff just to get the rest of the guys amped up, or is he that good? Well, he's that good. <laughs> he held his own. Of course, that first play uh, against uh, Ohio State was kind of like a fluky thing. Garrett Wilson just up in the air like, 10 feet in the air, catch that pass and caught it, you know. But other than that, Darian Kendrick held his own. Really like Darian Kendrick. He's going to play a very big part in this game as well, especially playing that boundary corner. Uh, you got Kayvon Wallace, again, who a guy who was very much unheard of to Dabo until recruiting day at the very end. I remember us picking him up and then watching film that day and being like, how do we miss out on this kid? But at the same time, who the heck is he? <laughs> So, again, he's a leader for this defensive secondary. I really like him. He's a vocal leader. He's going to play a good part, too. Tanner Muse is a guy who has been getting ragged on a lot. He's always looked at as a weak leak by everybody. I've heard Jimbo Fisher say it. There was an anonymous coach say it. Everybody says it. Even Clemson fans say, hey, you know, this guy weak in coverage at least. But, again, he's able to be schemed in game plans to make it work out. There's a reason why he leads the teams in interception. You know, he just finds a way to bait people because they look at one tape and say, hey, you know, he had a bad game. Let's go after this guy. That would be dumb. I don't think any offensive coordinator does that. It would be dumb to do that for any player. Uh, different players have great nights. Some nights they'll have a terrible night. It just depends on who they are that night. But I think Tanner Muse is going to impress people in this game. Uh, I really like Tanner Muse. I like his size and speed as well. If he cannot get suckered in, he'll be good. Same with Nolan Turner. Nolan Turner is also a very talented player, but he has to play a game in this one, cannot get suckered in at all. If they're trying to hit you with a double move, let them do what they're going to do and then catch up with them. Don't worry about any of that. A.J. Terrell, first-round type guy. He, I mean, you know, if he chooses to leave to go to the NFL this season – He's got a big money bag waiting on him. He's going to be a first-round guy. A lot of experience playing a lot of football for Clemson since he got there. I remember his freshman season playing a lot and being like, this guy is going to be really good. And three years later, uh, here we are talking about him going to NFL. So, again, I just really like Clemson's secondary. I know that LSU's secondary uh, is really good. They're actually pretty stingy. 
but like Clemson, they're also weak in certain areas too. For instance, they are terrible in zone. I've said this a couple times, especially on Twitter. I've said this on a couple of interviews. LSU is awful in zone coverage. And they usually only go to zone coverage if one of their linebackers, which is what I'm saying is an issue, is getting exploited really bad. They have to actually bring somebody to help out or change the field position secondary help cover desk. They have to go to that help desk defense that I call, uh, you know, where they're helping somebody out. Somebody's calling and saying, hey, man, I need help here, and they'll have to call. Uh, once they get into that mode, they're terrible. But if they're playing you man-to-man, it's really hard to blow past these guys. It's going to be an interesting matchup, too. Both guys are a little bit shorter. Uh, Derek Stingley is about six foot, 190. Christian Fulton, six foot. It's going to be interesting seeing them go up against our 6'4", 6'5", receivers. Although, folks, I will warn you not to put a whole lot of emphasis on this. Uh, Jeffrey Okuda for Ohio State was only six foot, and he held his own the entire game. So, again, don't think about height that much. Plus, the backups for those guys are all 6'3", 6'2", so uh, they've got taller guys. But, again, secondary, I went on a tangent there. Sorry, folks. (laughs) I'm going with uh, slight Clemson on that actual one. I'll go slight Clemson. Special teams and slight LSU. Uh, I think that Cade York has played a little bit more accurately than uh, B.T. Potter. He's, um, you know... uh, I don't know that he's much better than BT Potter, but I I know that they trust him. Whereas for Clemson, we're just kind of like gripping on our seats, hoping that he makes it. And, you know, we've had situations, not like it's unknown or what I'm saying is unfounded. He missed a kick against Ohio State that could have put us up in the game way earlier. Um, You know, he's missed kicks in this game, in games earlier in the season that people were just like head scratchers. He's been benched before for Steven Sawicki by Dabo Sweeney. It's not something that we're just coming up with he's actually not playing to his best ability but i think that he's got confidence in this one he's trusting himself because there's a thing saying that he you know if it comes down to the end of the game he wants to to be the one that kicks the game-winning field goal and i think a lot of people are like "Ah, i don't know about all that but uh you know kate york is pretty pretty solid for lsu when it comes to punting will spires has actually stepped up a little bit he had a great game against ohio state very surprising helped us out a lot of situations putting him down uh in the 10 15 sometimes that just helps with field position he's going to nef- definitely need to have a great game in this one uh, we want lsu having to drive the entire field against our defense every time and the better game he has the better game we'll de- we'll have defensively Zach Von Rosenberg, punter over at uh, Louisiana State, is like a carbon copy of Will Spires. They look the exact same. They are the same weight, same height, everything. (laughs) Uh, You know, they're the same guy. Sometimes they're really good. Sometimes they're not. We'll see what happens with that. Uh, Their punt returners are pretty good, too. Punt returner is Derek Stingley, the cornerback. He is definitely very athletic kid in fact his dad is actually campaigning everything and so is he telling orgeron that next season he wants to be able to play offense and defense as well as special teams uh so he wants to be that Deion sanders type guy and he's that level he is uh when he when he's all when it's all said and done i believe if Derek stingley can stay healthy he will be that that Deion sanders type guy uh, darian kendrick is slated to start at punt returner as well as amari rogers we know what these guys can do i think that darian kendrick's a little bit more tentative and hesitant whereas amari rogers will just take it and that's what I'll, i want to see in this game i want to see them just take a chance 
kick return, Travis Etienne and Joe Ngata for us. We know what happens when the, those guys get in there. But uh, And then Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and Javante Kirkin, uh, who's actually a defensive player, are the kick returners for LSU. Uh, I don't see either team really getting a whole lot of returns unless it's just intentional. Uh, I think both teams are going to try to kick it out of the end zone every single time and try to start at the 20. Uh, 25, excuse me, sorry. Um, lastly, quarterbacks. I left I left this for the end because this is the one I'm going to go on a little bit of an emotional tangent on. <laughs> um, Joe Burrow is a fantastic quarterback. In fact, he has broken every record. And I, I actually had an episode, you go back, where I apologized to the LSU Nation uh, and Joe Burrow himself where – you know, I had Joe Burrow in my bottom 10 quarterbacks of the ACC and SEC combined. I said he was just awful, and I was basing a lot of that off of what happened last season and what happened all the season before. He was an afterthought at both places. Of course, he came down to LSU to start, but, you know, no one's impressed being a starting quarterback at LSU. I talked about all their terrible quarterbacks they've had in history. Uh, they've actually had the biggest bust in NFL history at quarterback. So, uh, you know, Jamarcus Russell, <laughs> Danny Etling, not very good. Zach Mettenberger, not very good. They've had a long list of the guys. Uh, they were not very good. Uh, and it looked like Joe Burrow was going to follow in line with that until Steve Insmager and Joe Brady reinvigorated him until they have made a scheme that really fit him. Now he's the Heisman Trophy winner. He's the most accurate quarterback in college football history, statistics-wise. Um and, you know, he won pretty much every award. Thorpe, Maxwell, Heisman, <laughs> he racked him up. But let's not forget what Trevor Lawrence has done. Do you realize, I think, if I'm not mistaken, I, let, me, let me think about this here. Trevor Lawrence is a winner, folks. He doesn't know anything but winning. He's 29-0 in his first two seasons at Clemson. Has a chance to go 30-0. Impressive. Beyond impressive, okay? Here's the thing. He lost two games as a starter in high school. Two. <laughs> I don't know if you realize this. Of course, there's some things to you know consider. He played at Cartersville, which is kind of like a really big, very impressive football program powerhouse program in Georgia. We know how those teams are. And he went to Clemson on the upswing after Clemson won a national championship. And I'm not saying that those things are the reason why he's a, he's winning. But when you consider from Trevor Lawrence playing quarterback in the eighth grade all the way to this point, I think he's won 80-something games and lost four total. <laughs> it's like he doesn't know what losing is. When he does lose, it's just like, I don't know. I don't know what happened. It is what it is. He hates losing because he doesn't do it. It's foreign to him. So, again, for the quarterbacks, I'm going to go even. I'm going to go even. I know everybody's putting all this on Joe Burrow, saying Joe Burrow is going to be the reason why they win and they're unstoppable, but no one's talking about LSU's defense having to deal with Trevor Lawrence and company. It's not fun to do that. They don't want to think that. They want to see LSU just win because it's fun. It'll be somebody different, new blood in there. It's not Alabama or Clemson anymore. It's going to be somebody else. They want to see LSU be the second team to be 15-0, yada, yada, yada. It's not fun to see Clemson win as much as they do. 
<laughs> so, you know, people are looking at, uh, you know, Joe Burrow's stats and they're unbelievably ridiculous. The only people, the only person that had more uh, passing yards than Joe Burrow was Anthony Gordon at Washington State, but that's a product of the air raid offense. And no, folks, LSU does not run an air raid offense. They run a modified West Coast offense with vertical schemes. Air raid is totally different. Anthony Gordon throws the ball all the time. Now, he didn't have near as many touchdowns as Joe Burrow, but he had more passing yards. Joe Burrow was the most accurate quarterback. Again, I talked about 77% passing. That passed Colt McCoy. Nobody thought that that was going to be almost 80% completions. Again, the kid is a film nerd. His dad is a defensive was a defensive coordinator in college football recently. He was actually over at under uh, Frank Solich at Ohio University as a defensive coordinator. So not only is he a film guru, but he also has a dad that he can run questions by if he ever needs it. Hey, dad, if Clemson's going to come out on this, what should I do there? Well, I can do you do this and blah, blah, blah. And you know, he's always going to ask that. He's a film buff. So again, you know, and he's 23 years old. He's been in college football for six years. He's got something to prove, but that's not at like Trevor Lawrence's stats aren't great too. Any other season, you look at Trevor Lawrence's stats and say, wow, man, this is incredible. But because of a slow start, quote unquote, I do my fingers thing. You know, a lot of people don't want to talk about Trevor Lawrence as being an elite quarterback anymore. And that's, you know, I'm not saying that he should take some shine away from Joe Burrow, but I am saying that you need to pump the brakes on the fact that uh, you're overlooking Clemson. Again, I talked about over Clemson's offense is pretty much equal to LSU's. They just do it in a different way. You remember Clemson blowing out everybody this season except North Carolina? I do. Everybody got blown out. So <laughs> it is what it is. But for quarterbacks, I'm going even. And if we're, if we're talking about backups, I'd actually go slight Clemson because I would rather trust Chase Bryce in this game than they would trust Miles Brennan going up against Clemson's defense. Promise you that. Promise you that. I just, you know, again, I, I just trust them. So when you look at that, I'm going to say the overall assessment is even. This goes into what I talked about with my factors in the first segment, quality of teams. Both teams are even. So when you have something this close, this nitpicky, there's going to have to be some intangibles to go into this game. So let's talk about those four key questions. We're going to answer some of those, and then I'll give you my prediction. And then you go back and take everything that I just told you and think for, think for it yourself with these four questions and see where you come out with. First question, which team is better on paper? Answer that one objectively. How does this matchup look? Current circumstances favor, favor either team? Does, is either team being favored? Is there a reason why they should be favored in this one? And how do the playing styles compare? And I've already talked about two of those. Most importantly, circumstances favor favor. LSU, they're playing in essentially a home game. They're, they've got everybody vote rooting for them. Everybody believes in LSU right now. Playing style, everybody looks at LSU, how flashy their offense is. But Clemson's just as flashy, just in a different way. The first two questions, which team is better on paper? If you look at it, by stars, I'd probably say LSU. 
But if you look at it from player development and players who have the most impact from a one, two, and three deep, I'm going by far Clemson because I know that. And I've seen this happen for Clemson consistently for a decade. How's the matchup look? To me, looks pretty good. It's too even. It's pretty even. You know, I don't I don't think either team has a huge advantage. But I'm going to talk about those little intangibles. First and foremost, let's go back to motivation. I think Clemson has all the motivation in the world. No one thinks that Clemson is going to go 30 and 0. They 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 think about it and they know it's a possibility, but they don't want them to. This is why they're picking LSU. They're looking at everything that LSU did recently and says, "Yeah, there there's no chance that Clemson can stop that." I mean, that's conventional wisdom. But if anybody ever looks at games, and I'm telling you this because you've seen it, everybody knows this happens, it's everything, weird things happen. Never trust what people say about games because things happen sometimes that you never expect. Chaos is a part of life, okay? There's a reason why Kansas goes to Boston College and puts up 50 points. Random stuff happens. No reason why North Carolina should have kept Clemson from scoring 42 points. Clemson only scored 21. Random stuff happens. We shouldn't have lost to Pitt. Shouldn't have lost to Syracuse. Shouldn't Shouldn't have almost lost to Syracuse, right? You lose your quarterback that started for you the season before because he transfers and just quits. Let's call it what it is, folks. He really did quit on the team. But it's understandable. Although he made a decision to go somewhere that really didn't help him. But he quits on you. Then your starting your new starting quarterback goes down. You're playing your what would have been your fifth string quarterback to start the season. You win that game. Nobody believes in you, right? You're just like, eh, everybody's like, eh, you know, they almost lost to Syracuse. I don't care about them. They got a true freshman quarterback playing, and we know what happened last year in the in the semifinal against Alabama and New Orleans. You know, they get there again, they're just gonna get embarrassed. What did they do? They beat Notre Dame 30-3 and then go beat Alabama 44-16. A team that was known as the greatest team offensively in the world. Although people saw the defensive inefficiencies all season. They just didn't want to admit it. Their offense was so good that nobody wanted to say, yeah, Alabama's defense is, they've they've given up a bunch of yards. Arkansas put a ton of yards on them. Why did they do this? That's weird. Nobody wanted to say anything about it. You get to the national championship game, and there's no chance that Clemson can stop Alabama and Tua Tagovailoa with all those receivers. No chance. They won fifty. They won by twenty-eight points. <laughs> so ex- expect the unexpected. Pretty much that way. I don't going into this game. I don't expect anything. I don't expect anything. But I believe that Clemson will win because I trust the consistency. I trust the coaching staff, I trust the knowledge, I trust the preparation, and I trust the process. One team is coming in with destiny. One team is coming in with determination and consistency. Dynasty versus destiny. We've seen this before, folks. Think about it in 2015. Clemson goes to play Alabama. You know, we, for all intents and purposes, we were humming that season. Offensively, we were pretty good. Everybody was like, dang, man, Clemson's pretty good. Alabama was the dynasty. 
We were supposed to come in and win that game. In fact, we played so well that we should have won that game, but we did not. Alabama goes on to win a national championship. Not saying it's going to work out this game. It doesn't matter. What happened last week, what happened the week before last week, what happened week seven has nothing to do with 14. Has nothing to do with 14. And 14 has nothing to do with 15. What Clemson did and how they played against Ohio State in twenty in, in, in the, the semifinal this season, or 2016 the year before, I mean, the, the time before, has no bearing on what happens this game. So what do you do? You think of those intangibles. The consistency. The consistency. I know everybody goes, well, we've won 29, so... You know, losing has to come at some point. And I understand that, fully aware of it. Clemson is going to lose at some point. It could be this game. It could be game one next year. It could be game seven next year. It could go undefeated again and be 43-0. I mean, 45-0, excuse me. You never know. But I do know this. I trust the consistency, and I trust the coaching staff at Clemson. I think some things will happen in this game that people aren't expecting. For first and foremost, I don't think this game is going to be extremely high score, and I do not think it's going to be a shootout like everyone else does. I really don't think so. I think, in fact, both teams won't score more than seven points or 7-3 or 7 nothing first quarter. I think both teams are going to come in with a game plan that's going to stop them and surprise each other. They're going to try to fill each other out with some scripted plays and scripted series and whatnot and see what works, find out the weaknesses for both teams. And then in the second quarter, we'll start seeing things ramp up. But I think in the fourth quarter, Clemson's depth, Clemson's preparation, Clemson's experience, Clemson's coaching, and Clemson's consistency will be the reason why they win this game. I'm going to say Clemson wins this game 37-28. And, you know, I'm sticking with that. I know a lot of people are going to be, what, 37-28. Now, I could be wrong. We could lose this game. I could be completely off of the score. Clemson could score 50 points and LSU scores 16. Who knows? We could see that again. Maybe it's a one-point game. Who knows? It could be some kind of thriller overtime game, but I'm going 37-28. And folks, just trust the process. Clemson has a chance to solidify themselves as the best program of the 2010s and start the process of being the best program of the 2020s. Super excited about it. With that said, we're at the end of the show, folks. Thanks for listening. Uh, This is going to be available forever. (laughs) I'm not going to drop it down just because I'm not afraid of being wrong. If we're wrong and my prediction's off or we lose, I'm okay with that. I'm at peace because I know what Clemson has done this decade it can't be matched. Nobody's been 15 and 0. And if Clemson goes 30 and 0, nobody has matched that. You know how hard it's going to be to match that, to go 30 and 0, just to match Clemson if they win this game. So, you know, I'm not worried about it, folks. Of course, again, on Sunday, I'm probably going to do this around 1 a.m., 1 p.m., excuse me. I'm going to go on Twitter, live, Periscope, and I'm going to be uh, talking about the game from an X's and O's standpoint, some things that I know I think can happen to both teams, what they should do, key players, key things to watch for, things like that uh, on that one. Um, 
you can join in too. You can actually uh, get in and talk with just your voice, or you can do a video conference with me and we can talk about it. Uh, I'm going to get you guys fully up to speed for it before the game on Monday. But folks, it's great to be a Clemson Tiger. If you're going to the game, please be careful. Uh, try to stay out of trouble. And as always, go Clemson Tigers.